0: We live in a time of tremendous opportunity for innovators, entrepreneurs, and those with skill and imagination, but it seems at every turn, there are forces that slow us down or get us off track. I believe you can trigger your independence and lead a flourishing life, be free to choose and live according to your own values. Join us in a conversation about big ideas in life, liberty, and the pursuit of your happiness. Welcome to... The John Riley Project. People, how you doing? People, welcome to the project, the JRP, John Riley Project. We're back at you. Friday, right around two o'clock here with another live stream update. But well, we're going to be talking about a number of topics. We're going to get into um, the Poway, a lot of Poway topics today. You know, Poway's my my hometown. This I live in the city in the country, or so or so it's called Poway, California, nine two zero six four. We're going to be talking a little bit about Poway parks, and there's a couple of other comments that are going on in our city that I'll offer some thoughts and commentary. And I also want to get into this whole. Facebook whistleblower issue um, that was big in the news recently, and I just want to share some of my thoughts on on that particular topic. But, you know, most of all, just want to welcome you to the podcast. You know, we're live streaming on both Facebook and YouTube. That means that you can participate in this podcast. It's live and interactive. So if you're watching on YouTube or if you're watching on Facebook, just go ahead and type some comments into the, uh, you know, the comment area. I'll see them on my screen. I'll read them on the air. And we'll have a live conversational dialogue back and forth and welcome you to this discussion. And like I said, yeah, we're going to get into Poway Parks and the Facebook whistleblower and a number of other kind of local news issues here in our community. Because, you know, I try to make this podcast I try to cover a lot of things in this podcast. You know, we have some very interesting guests. We have some really good stories that are told. We had a great podcast on Wednesday with Mike Smith and Pete Neal talking about their uh, adventure in Maui and talking about, um, you know, kind of near-death experiences. But today we're going to talk more about local news because I like to cover that because there's really not a lot of podcasts that get into San Diego content, San Diego politics, San Diego news. So we're going to get into that today. And and it's going to be a lot of it about my hometown of Poway. So let's talk a little bit about Poway Parks. And this has been a little bit of a hot button issue here in town. You know, it's funny. You go on to Facebook and there are so many different community groups that talk about my hometown of Poway. And, you know, some are promoting businesses. Some are like these neighborhood groups in Poway where they talk about, you know, where to find the best orthodontist or how to sign your kid up for a soccer uh, league. But then there's also, you know, some political uh, groups that chat here in Poway, and they've got some really interesting content. But one of the hot button issues that came up was what's going on with our parks because there's been a change. Now, if you remember, if you follow the news, this was probably. Gosh, was it about a year ago when we had the big Poway water crisis. If you remember that the um, we had what we were joking about it, calling it rope water, you know there was in the infrastructure up by the Poway water plant up there near Lake Poway, there was, you know, a, a rope that got caught in some kind of a system. Again, I've seen photos, but I, don't, I can't explain it clearly. But as a result, some storm water, some, dra- you know, outdoor drainage water got into our water system, and that was coming out of people's, you know, uh, kitchen sinks and out of their bathtub and shower. And we had that boil water ordinance here. Gosh, it was about a year ago, wasn't it? Um, Or maybe it was two years ago. Maybe it was two years ago, like right before COVID hit. Uh, Ed Franklin on the live stream. What's up, buddy? Ed, good to hear from you. So nice for you to join me. And Ed, man, you have been pumping out some podcast content lately. I'm really proud of the great work that you're doing. Uh, So, so happy we were able to share some podcast episodes together. Um but anyways, you know up up by Poway Lake Poway, they've got the the Poway water, I don't know what you call it. It's a water facility where they essentially store the water, clean the water, and then the water flows through the distribution system here in Poway. Well, because of that rope water incident and kind of messing up our our local water supply, the city of Poway is now spending a lot of money to um, upgrade the water system. Now, the whole notion of spending a lot of money, I'll get to that, talking about Poway water rates, but- What's happened is the the point as it relates to the parks, is you could imagine when they're changing up all this water infrastructure in Poway, they've got to have a lot of staging areas for pipes and all kinds of infrastructure, right? And they need a place up near Lake Poway to have a temporary staging area for this. And so they've essentially taken over the softball field that's up there. You know, if you've ever been up to Lake Poway, it's just a wonderful park and it's great trails around the lake. That's a lot of our locals go to Lake Poway and they work, actually a lot of -of out-of-towners too, go there and they work their way up to Potato Chip Rock. But you get over there by the ball field, and there's that Tony Gwynn statue. And boy, is it, is it a great statue commemorating one of our Poway heroes. And then there's a softball field there. And it's primarily used by Poway Girls Softball League. Mostly the older girls, like the 13 and 14-year-olds will play there. It's a softball field that's lit with lights, which makes it a kind of a unique uh, field and is in demand, especially when, you know, when it gets dark early before the clocks change, when we're in standard time. You know, trying to get in practices and games without lights is difficult. And so the Lake Poway softball field has lights, and that makes it a great resource for, you know, a lot of you know, a lot of the young girls, teenage girls that are playing softball in the area. Um, And then, of course, you know, once a year, they always have the big Lake Poway versus Rancho Bernardo softball game up there, which is always just a fantastic event. But now they're going to have to shut down that field because they're going to use it as this staging area to, um, to, you know, essentially work on the water infrastructure in Poway. So what's going to happen? You know, so now as a result, it's, it's like, a, you know, it's like a set of dominoes or ripples in a pond. You know, you affect one area and then it cascades and it creates these unintended consequences in other parts of our community. So now suddenly the Poway Girls Softball League, A, is missing a field with lights that they had as games and that they also used for practices. But also, you know, with the older girls that are like 13, 14 years old, They can play softball down at Aubrey Park. Have you ever been to Aubrey Park in Poway? What a wonderful facility! My daughter played there when she was playing softball. Um, It's right near Old Poway Park, and you know they really set up a wonderful facility down there. Um, It's got um, the the facades around the the backstop. I mean, it's really a gorgeous uh, ballpark for girls softball. You know, typically age. I don't know, say six to 12 is what's really active there. The 13 and 14 year olds can play on those fields and they could sort of make it work. But if you got a, you know, a strong 14 year old girl, those fields are like small fields. I mean, they still are 60 foot bases, but the outfields are really shallow. That's one of the reasons why the Lake Poway field is so good for some of the older girls. And of course, that's why high school will play there as well. So. The um, the Poway Girls Softball League was in a real pickle. They're like, what are we going to do? And so they worked something out with the city. And on a temporary basis, um, they're going to start using the field at Star Ridge. Now, Star Ridge Park is, is here in Poway, and it's right off of Carriage Road. Um, so Carriage Road is, uh, you know, I guess probably not a level A road but probably a level B or level C road here in Poway it's a corridor right through the center of Poway in between Poway Road and and ultimately to Twin Peaks and there's you know Star Ridge Park is right over there and it's a great facility i mean boy i've i've been there a number of times my my son um I remember he was out there for soft, not softball practice, but for uh, football. I think they had a football orientation meeting there. We've had a lot of things there. Um, great place for family picnics. And, you know, right when you pull into the lot there at Star Ridge, they got a, you know, a playground for the kids that was recently Upgraded. And are some picnic benches and seating. And then if you kind of go back beyond that, that park really opens up and it's really big back there. There's a lot of grass, a lot of open grass. And then there's actually a ball field back there. Um, and it's a baseball field slash softball field that's rarely ever used. And in fact, I remember back in the day, back when my son was playing at Poway National Little League, um, they would... They had the Star Ridge field was sort of assigned to the Poway National Little League for practice only. And sometimes you'd see teams that would use it for practice, but a lot of times it was really difficult to use because that field back there was... Not maintained by the city i mean they 'd mow the lawn, but not nearly often enough, so the lawn was often you know the outfield grass was often excessively thick but the the infield dirt at that field was always really rocky, had been sun baked it was like hard asphalt i mean no way could a kid slide on that on that field. You know, especially not even just in shorts, but even if you're wearing proper baseball, softball pants and sliding gear, still it's like sliding on asphalt with jagged rocks sticking out. Um, so the city was said, wait, what we're going to do is we're going to allow Poway girls softball to use this field and we're going to upgrade the field. You know, and and I thought, wow, this is just terrific. You know, you know, upgrading the field is really a great thing because that field needed a lot of help, and you know, it's a temporary thing. So the the Poway girls softball league will have a place to go while the uh, pa- Lake Poway field was essentially you know being taken down or being used as a storage facility for all of the water infrastructure. Well you know it sounds kind of nice and apparently the the city of Poway announced the plan and they just made the decision and boom it was announced and boy this got some of our locals really got bent out of shape and this opened up a whole really interesting conversation um especially in a couple of of our facebook groups you know south and north poway vote and also on the facebook group poway neighbors and you know one of our our local um uh, community activist. Her name's Chris Cruz, and I've I've spoken about her a number of times on this podcast. Um, Chris Cruz is a very interesting person. Um, she is a you know one of the leading community activists in our city. She is always hammering on City Hall to hold our local politicians accountable, um, and she's really good at kind of you know whipping up you know some people into a frenzy about certain issues. And I don't always agree with Chris Cruz. Sometimes she and I agree, and sometimes she and I will disagree, and sometimes we'll have some spirited debate. But it's always respectful, um, and uh, you know. But she's a woman that's very passionate about her perspective on the city of Poway, and she's got a pretty loyal group of followers that are either well, they're they're either a followers or b they're other community activists that have a similar point of view. Well. What I noticed is is that this conversation really started to blow up, and it came down to this. It was interesting because Chris Cruz commenting really on behalf of a lot of the neighbors that live near Silver Set Park, maybe live near the Candy Cane Lane area where our good friend Pete Neald lives. Um, you know, people that live in that community for them, Silver Set Park, they kind of think of it as their, you know, quote unquote. Neighborhood park, Um, which is an interesting topic, isn't it? And this is kind of what I want to explore here. And again, I welcome your thoughts and comments on the live stream. Feel free to type them in. Are parks in our neighborhoods, we like to think of them as neighborhood parks, but are they really just for the exclusive use of those neighbors? Or on the other hand, are they public parks that are really open to everybody in our city? And frankly, They're public, and therefore they're used by people that maybe don't even live in the city of Poway at all. And so when the city announced that Poway Girls Softball League was going to have access to these fields, immediately there were resistance. Um, We don't want organized sports in our community. Oh, my God, there's going to be all kinds of people. Oh, they're going to have lights, and, and they will have lights. But the lights are going to be temporary and they're going to have a generator. And oh, my God, lights. And oh, my God, a generator. It's going to be loud. And if you go back into the way in the back of Silverset, and it goes quite a ways back there, if you've ever been there, it's surrounded on multiple sides by a canyon. And so there are some homes along the top and they might hear some noise and they might have some light, you know, quote unquote, light pollution. Right. Well, I think we'll see some of that there, but really not a lot of it. And I think they said they're going to only have the lights going until eight o'clock. Um, and I get it. I mean, it makes sense. I understand people don't like disruption. They don't like change in their neighborhood. But, you know, these are like the Poway Girls Softball League. I mean, these are not a bunch of hoodlums. I mean, these are like local families, local girls that have had the unfortunate circumstances of being kicked out of one of their primary fields and just needing a temporary place to have fun, to play sports. And really, originally, I thought it was going to be for organized games, you know, with uniforms and family members cheering them on. But apparently it's just for practice. (laughs) It sounded like Allen Iverson. We talking about practice, Uh, (laughs) but it's just for practice. And but still, you know, there there is a lot of resistance to this. And, you know, even people commenting about, oh, my God, we're going to have free range kids. You know, all these kids that don't live in our neighborhood are suddenly going to be using our neighborhood parks. I mean, what do you think about this? I'm asking you in the audience, what do you think about this? Are parks something that can be opened up to everybody in our community? Or were they really just exclusively for the neighborhoods? Now, apparently there were some agreements that were made a long time ago that some of these parks had limited um, usage or they kind of had sort of a handshake agreement with neighbors, you know, from 30 years ago that there wouldn't be organized sports there. Kevin McNamara on the live stream says, use Valley, Valley Verde too. Yeah, the Valley Verde field is another one that really should have been another potential solution. But you know what, Val Verde is, you know, it's funny, locals say Val Verde, but it's really Valle Verde, right? <laughs> but Val Verde field, that's another one that really needs a lot of help. It really needs, a you know, they don't really mow the outfield grass often enough. The infield, is like a disaster. I mean, it's all these undulations, like a golf green, rocks and stones, and uh, at, and, and and a dirt surface that's like as hard as asphalt with rocks built in. Um, it's really neat that that field. You know that one could have been used too. You could make an argument. Ah, put the put the Poway girls softball field and all those lights. Put them up in North Poway. You know what? If they would have put it in North Poway, we probably would have gotten the same result. We would have had people complaining. And I would have probably still done a podcast talking about how it's important that parks are used by all people in Poway and that these are girls in our community that play sports and need a place to go because they've been displaced from another field. Pat Johnson uh, or Ed Franklin on the live stream says, I seem to always get from the city, progress is messy. I get that. But is there any light at the end of the tunnel? Well, progress is messy, right? And ultimately, this is progress. If you're thinking about it from the perspective of our water system, the water infrastructure really hasn't been touched since they installed. Again, I'm going to have to go back into the archives here. When did they build Lake Poway? I think it was built in the late 60s or early 70s, and they built that water treatment facility up there at the time. So just to make the math easy, 1971, that's 50 years old. And you know the water around here, it's hard water, it's mineral water, and pipes erode. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the piping is leaking, if some of the areas are really you know, corroded with mineral water. You know, we 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 all know infrastructure is a big need all around the United States. That's a big thing that President Biden and the Democrats have been talking about doing, and they've already got some of it passed. And I know they're trying to get more passed. Republicans talk about infrastructure, too. Now, just a tangent here. I think infrastructure should be a state and local issue. Federal government shouldn't be funding infrastructure, in my opinion, Um because state and local people are the ones that use the infrastructure and they're the ones that pay the local taxes or the bonds to, you know, the taxes to fund the bonds to to manage that infrastructure. But at any rate, yeah, you know, pro- progress is messy, Ed. Um, it always is. Change is hard. Is there light at the end of the tunnel? There always is. But the weird thing that's going on in Poway right now is that Everything's happening at once. We've got all the construction on Poway Road. You know, you got the outpost that has seemingly been abandoned midstream. God knows what they're going to do with that. You've got uh, the Poway Commons that's, you know, really cooking with development. I mean, they got a lot of those buildings are getting close to finished. The, um, the Fairfield Project, where the bowling alley and thrift stores are, they haven't started demolition there yet, but you know that's coming. Um, you know, speaking of our friend Kevin McNamara, we've we've got the uh the big uh the farm in Poway. That's gonna you know, I've already seen they're making they're clearing land there. So, you know, that construction's gonna really start cooking here soon. Then oh my God, the the gas line down Pomerado Road. I mean you try driving on Pomerado Road between nine AM and three PM on any day, I mean you can get stuck in traffic you know, worse than any traffic jam on the freeway. It's brutal. And it's all happening at once. And now on top of it is the water issue, um, you know, that we're, we're talking about now at the parks. So it's just unfortunate that everything's happening at once. Now, you know, but it's just the nature of the beast. You know, I think Poway has been so resistant to so much development for so long Um, whether it's infrastructure development or housing development. I mean, because, you know what, the the Poway water situation invited a water infrastructure rebuild. The Pomerado, uh, you know, mess that's going on now, that's also infrastructure for a gas line. And then you've got commercial and housing, three projects on Poway Road, plus the upcoming project at the farm in Poway. So that's one, two, three, four, five. That's six projects, if I'm not counting them, right? And I'm probably leaving a lot of others out, like the community center and the bearing of the, lo- uh, the, uh, the power along um, Spola Road. And there's probably 20 other projects I could list. But, yeah, they're all happening at the same time. And it does feel messy, doesn't it? Doesn't it, Ed? But there is light at the end of the tunnel. I, I'm of the opinion... And I know some people don't share this opinion, but I'm of the opinion that when the Poway Road project is finished, the, at least these three projects that are underway in varying forms, I think it's going to be a lot better than the pessimists believe it's going to be. I really do. I, I think it's going to look nicer. It's going to be upgraded. There's going to be a lot more amenities, commercial uh, space, restaurants, places to do business, There's going to be more housing opportunities so other families can join us. There's going to be more residential integration with the community park. I see that as a huge positive. I think it's going to be a lot better when it's all done. But right now it's messy. Yeah, it is messy, Ed. Pat Johnson on the live stream says, it's a public park, not a private park, and it's maintained by the neighborhood. Let them play there. So yeah. See this, see Pat Johnson and I. We share the same opinion. Pat and I both served on the board at Poway National Little League, so I guess we're a little biased. We're we're sports families. Our children played sports. You know, my daughter played Poway Girls Softball League (PGSL) and Poway Soccer and Basketball and Track and Cross Country. And my son's been on baseball and basketball and soccer and football. So, you know, we're one of those sports families, so we have that perspective. But yeah. So I'm of the opinion, let the, let the kids play. And it's a Poway Park. And frankly, it's a Poway Park. If you go back in Star Ridge, go way back into that corner. It's a baseball field that is basically never used. I mean, you go there and you look at it, you can tell it's never really used. Because if you played ball on that infield, you would get a bad hops that would hit you in the mouth because there's so many rocks and such a hard surface. Not in a million years would you ever slide on that, um, on that ground. And then if you get out into the outfield, you know, the ball will take two bounces and come to a dead stop because the grass is usually like four or five inches tall. So um, the fact that the city is offering to upgrade this field, well, that's a big win. That's a huge win for the community, for the city, for the girls, and even for the boys that get to play there as well. That's a great thing. Yuri Bolin on the live stream says Wrigley Field didn't have lights until nineteen eighty-eight. Eight P.M. shouldn't be too much of an issue. Yeah. So it's I'll tell you this. I mean, you know, when we're at I get when when does it get the darkest? It's right what the winter solstice, right? And when you're there and like right around Christmas time, it's usually too dark to play sports around 5 p.m., right? You know, it's still kind of a little bit of light, but not like where you want to be fielding balls or taking batting practice. Um, and so, when do when do these sports leagues start? They usually, for both Poway girls softball and for both Poway Little Leagues, the tryouts are usually in January, and the leagues usually start in very late February or early March, at least a month before the clocks flip to daylight savings time, maybe. 45 days before the clocks change to daylight savings time. So when you're in February and when you're in March, it's dark, like it's six, maybe six 15. So imagine a team having a practice and you've got a volunteer parent as the coach and they don't get off work and maybe they are able to sneak out of work at three or four o'clock. You can't really start that practice until four 30 or five. And then how much time does that leave for a practice? And 4.30 or 5, you might be lucky. Frankly, there's a lot of kids that can't practice that early because they have other commitments and other activities. They might still be in ESS or they might be, you know, have a piano lesson. So it's hard to make it all fit. So that's why when there are fields with lights, those are like gold, to sports families, and especially sports coaches that want to be able to have an opportunity for the kids to play, the kids to learn, and the kids to enjoy themselves. And for, frankly, to get better and to prepare for the season. So I know there's a lot of resistance to lights. You know, it's funny, Wrigley finally put in lights, but you know for them it was a money thing. They can have night games and more TV revenue. But fields without lights... Are difficult when you're in standard time for, for kids' sports. Because, you know, if you look around Poway, there are not that many fields. And the ones that aren't used are the ones that aren't maintained, like Star Ridge and like Valverde and a few others. But most of the others are used quite a bit. And there's a lot of demand for these fields. There's, a, there's an organization called the Poway Sports Council. And this group decides which teams, actually, which leagues are assigned to which fields and which teams are able to use those fields. Well, actually, the leagues figure out which teams, but they're able to assign which leagues use the fields. And they try to balance it between um, local recreational leagues, but also travel leagues, travel baseball, travel softball, travel soccer. Plus you got all the football leagues, the rec soccer leagues, travel soccer leagues, baseball, softball. I'm sure I'm leaving others out. Lacrosse. Oh my God. Lacrosse is getting big. When they put those fields in the Arbolitos Park right there on Pomerado Road, just south of Target, just south of Ted Williams. I remember originally they said we weren't going to have lights and then they eventually put them in. And I know some people felt they got burned on that. So I I get it. I understand why people are kind of upset by it. Um, But, you know, it's all about balancing the needs of everyone in the community, right? Because they're public parks. And the good news is, 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 and I don't know if you've ever noticed this about the Arbolitos Fields along Pomerado Road, but they're using light, uh, the light technology has gotten better. It used to be, you know, 20 years ago, you put lights up and it's like a light bomb, you know, and you could see it from 10 miles away. But now with the new kind of LED lighting, they can be a lot more directional in where the light is placed. And you'd be surprised. They're able to minimize the light pollution significantly as a result. And I think that's what they did at the Arbolito soccer fields on Pomerado Road in between Abraxas High School and the Outback restaurant. Yeah. So um, Ed Franklin says, yeah, that's my point. Yeah. That it gets messy. Uh, So Ed, um, thanks for agreeing with me on this. So, you know, it's, it's interesting when we talk about public parks, you know, it's funny because my, you know, Chris Cruz, who I'm commenting about in this podcast. And again, I great respect for Chris. She you know, I don't always agree with her. And I know she's a thorn in the side of our city council, you know, and, you know, she's got a lot of people who don't like her, but frankly, if you've got a lot of people who don't like you, that means you're probably doing a good job to some level, or at least you're making a difference. But Chris Cruz, you know, politically, she lines up on the left. You know, I tell you people in power, we got a lot of people on the right, a lot of people on the left. I'm, I'm in a different place. Um, but it's funny, you know, our, people, our friends on the left typically will talk about the common good and public parks and the and it's for the general public. But then we hear this old notion of, nope, just for our neighborhood, you know, keep those organized sports out. Those free range kids can't have them here. These are Poway kids that want to use a Poway park. Now, other neighbors in that community are not happy about this, and they, I know they've gone to the city and they're getting letters and they're trying to get organized, and people are kind of tweaked that the city didn't really have a meeting with the community. Yeah, that sounds reasonable. Now, I don't know what the meeting would have been. You know, it probably would have been some form of NIMBY, not in my backyard, and if they were successful in bumping him out of Silver Set, then they would have landed somewhere else, like Valverde or somewhere else, and likely would have had the same situation. People upset, people complaining, not in my backyard. You know, um, people are just resistant to change, aren't they? You know, just a couple of days ago, you know, Pete Neal was here in the podcast studio, and I was showing him, I just like right on the other side of my neighborhood, a big house being built. (laughs) There was houses down the street from me, three brand new houses that were built. There's change going on all the time. And people are resistant to change. But, you know, there's a lot of people that live in our community and there's a lot of different needs, diversification of needs, trying to balance it all. It's hard. It's a hard job for the city to to get it right. But, you know, when it all, the, the... the first domino to fall really is the water infrastructure problem, and that's what's kind of led us here. So, but it is interesting that, you know, you had this whole notion of common good, public parks, but then you had this notion of proprietary. No, it's a neighborhood park just for our neighbors. Just want a place where we can sit under a shade tree and read a book and just relax without any chaos, noise, clutter, kids running around grandma and grandpa showing up. And then, oh my God, the parking. That's the other big objection we often hear. Because you know that parking lot is Silver, excuse me, it's Star Ridge, not very big. Um, it's you know, adequate for a few families to show up and use the playground or maybe have a picnic. How many cars can you park in that lot? Maybe 15, 20. But You know, if you had like full on league games at that backfield, yeah, you couldn't fit them all. And there'd probably be people parking on the street. And that immediately sends people up in an uproar. Oh, my God, people are parking on the street. Interestingly, aren't public streets for the public? And isn't that a fair place for people to park? And granted, I know people don't want all kinds of cars parked in their house, but it's not like this is going on all the time. Now, I know a Poway Girls Softball League, you know, around the corner on, on what's the name of the street? I think it's called York. Those neighbors really get tweaked when the Poway Girls Softball Leagues are using the fields and they have been successful in negotiating with the league to keep people off of their street when parking. And that's just something that I think the league, Poway Girls Softball League and the people that live on York have just sort of worked out, you know, great. You know, if people can work those things out, then fine. Um, But, uh, you know, Kevin Kennedy on the live stream says we routinely have to. Sometimes people have to park on the street. You know, I mean, God, when when kids play at Poway National Little League or Poway American Little League, you got to park on the street. Not enough parking. Just it is what it is. Um, Kevin Kennedy says he parks on the street when visiting that park. I assume you're talking about Star Ridge, Kevin. Yeah. That parking lot there is tiny. So, you know, this is being introduced and it's just interesting to me. And then the other objection we're hearing from people is, oh my God, now, now the park is pay for use. You have to pay money to use a public park because, you know, of course the leagues are either a paying the city for use and then B, you've got to pay money to be in the league in order to use the field. itself. So, and now the, suddenly the parks are not for the public. They're just pay for use. I like, go, oh, come on. So, you know, here's how it breaks out is that whenever you have like an organized event at a park, now it's not like if you're just a sports league, but if you're someone, let's say you're running a business, like a fitness business. We saw this during the COVID time where people wanted us to do a workout, like a yoga class or something like that in the park, they had to still go get a permit. Now, granted, I'm not, (laughs) I don't think there should be permits for that in the first place, but that's what the rule is in town. You know, you got to, if it's an organized event, you got to get a permit and you got to pay a fee for that permit. Like, okay. Um, And then of course the leagues charge money because of course the leagues have to charge money because they have uniforms and and when they play the games, they got to pay the umpires. And there's an insurance policy that has to be paid. And there's other ancillary expenses, and it's all run by volunteers. And by the way, all of the leagues, to the best of my knowledge, offer scholarships for families that are in hardship cases that will either allow the parent to volunteer in exchange for payment of fees, or in some cases, just waive fees entirely with no duty back to the league. But you know what? When people raise the objection, it's pay for use, pay for use. You know, if it were free, would it be better? If the city didn't charge these leagues to use the field, because, you know, after all, it is a public park and it's for the public, we're already paying property taxes, probably you could make an argument that it should be free for the leagues to use it, provided they have an organized system to reserve the fields so there's no conflict in scheduling. But you know what? If it were free, I still think the people that are objecting would continue to object. But it, it's just, it's all very interesting to me. Now, no, just one kind of... Oh, here here's a couple more comments on the live stream. Uh, Yuri Boland says, "Since they haven't done anything yet at the Carriage Mall, if it's a major game like the final, they can use the parking lot there. Yeah, they could, and they could have shuttle buses going up and down Carriage Road. <laughs> I'm sure people there would love that. But you know what, Yuri? It, it, it sounds like the new information I saw online is they're only going to be using the field for practice. We talk about practice, not the game. We talk about." practice. So, you know, there's, there's not going to be a big need for that. Now, of course, the fear that a lot of the locals have is that, oh, this is not going to be temporary. It's going to turn into permanent. Well, you know what? Uh, I get, I get that fear and that may turn out to be true, but you know, if it turned out to be true is how bad is it really? I mean, it's a public park. <laughs> These are Poway kids using a public park. So I don't know. Uh, Pat Johnson says there are 42 parking spots there. You looked at it on Google and you counted them. Good for you, Pat. Um, That's more than I thought. I thought there was like half that amount. But yeah, you know, I've been there sometimes and that parking lot could be full when there's a lot of things going on there at the Star Ridge Park. So I don't know, you know, and just here's a kind of another interesting tangent to this. I'll just throw this in. Uh, Gosh, it was probably like, I don't know, five, six years ago. And I was actually serving on the city of Poway's Parks and Rec Committee. You know, So I remember joking or actually telling my children when I was on the Parks and Recreation Committee and they laughed because they watched that television show. They, they thought, really, there's a Parks and Recreation Committee in Poway and you're on it? <laughs> and I was. And, you know, it was a, you know, we met like, I don't know, once every other month. It was either every two months or once a quarter. I can't remember. And it was a group of citizens. And, you know, for the most part, they would just oversee the plans of the city of Poway and kind of act as a sounding board to the, the city staff on what they were planning to do. And of course, if there was some horrible thing they were doing, the Parks and Rec Committee could raise a stink about it. But generally speaking, it w- it's mostly a an opportunity for the city to be transparent, which I think is a great thing. And it's a way for the city or people in the community to be involved, which is a great thing, but more or less, it's like a rubber stamp of what the city wants to do. And I was on that committee and I remember thinking to myself, I kind of, I had this idea that, you know, back in, as we were coming out of the great recession, you know, businesses in Poway were struggling and I thought, wow, you know, there's an opportunity we can upgrade our parks and- Bring in a lot of new business for restaurants and other kinds of businesses here in Poway if we were able to plan properly. And I I had this sort of economic development idea, and it was that if the city would actually invest in these ball fields and clean them up and resurface them. And make them not just a community place where you can hit a ground balls to your kid, not just a practice facility like they're planning to upgrade them to, which will be a great improvement, but actually to make them like A1 level tournament grade fields. And if they did that at, because um, that already exists at Aubrey to the mo- for the most part, at Aubrey Field, at the Sportsplex, at... Poway National and Poway American to a great degree, which is a Tierra Bonita. But imagine if they did that at Star Ridge, at Silver Set, at Val Verde, and um, and definitely a community park, those two ball fields there. And then now you could host tournaments in Poway and bring in all these out-of-towners into town. They would be using the parks, but then they'd be staying in the local hotels, going to the local restaurants and doing business. I thought this was kind of a cool idea. Now, I think that was a bit more than the city wanted to, to bite off. And, you know, so it came sort of a fleeting thought. And I no doubt there would be a lot of neighborhood people that would put up huge red flags. But, you know, back then, you know, restaurants were really, really struggling as we came out of the Great Recession. I still think it's a good idea. Again, I'm an advocate of kids' sports, but it's something. Um, But, anyways, I don't know. In the end, you know, let the girls play ball, you know, live and let live, let people use the parks. Um, You know, this is not something we should be making a big deal out of. So, you know, I know a lot of people listen to this podcast, watch the podcast there from Poway, but a lot of people not in Poway that enjoy this. And I bet you the same darn thing's happening in your community. So let me know your thoughts. You know, join me on social media. You can go to connectwithjohnny.com and all my social media links are there. And of course I welcome your thoughts and comments on the live stream. So I want to get into a couple more things. I want to talk about this Facebook whistleblower. Um, and I, there's a couple more comments on Poway that I want to chat about. Um, but first I wanted to give a big shout out um, to Hiram Soto. Um, and he's starting this new online what would you call it? I guess like an, a digital newspaper and it's called The Powijian and you can find him at thePowegian.com. And, and Hiram, I, I've met Hiram a few times, a good guy. Um, Hiram is, uh, again, I'd say politically left of center um, and uh, he, he's, he's a good guy, as you know, well-intentioned, kind of like Chris Cruz. There's a lot of things I agree with Hiram on Certain things I disagree with him on, um, but he's starting this new publication and he's trying to get the community to participate, to write articles, trying to get the community to donate, to kind of help support it. I think it's a great idea because, you know, locally we have the chieftain, which is good, but, you know, kind of mostly an establishment point of view. Um, the Powegian could be sort of like an alternative, the equivalent of an alternative newspaper, like... You know the, the Village Voice or something like that. It could be like that, uh, or like the San Diego Reader, or it could be something different. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's another another voice, another platform of content about our community of Poway. So, I mean, good for you, Hiram, and I know he's just getting started. So hopefully, this thing really catches its wings and and becomes like you know legit, right? And becomes a big part of our community. But I I just want to give a big congratulations to him to you know, having the huevos to start this thing, right? To really step up. And so um, the, P-O, you know, the, the Powegian, P-O- the T H E P-O-W-E-G-I-A-N, the uh, Powegian dot you can go check out his website and if you want to write some articles, you can. Okay. Um, let's, just, let's talk about this Facebook whistleblower thing. And that was in the news this past week, week and a half actually more like the past week, because it was on, she was on 60 Minutes on Sunday. And then uh, it seemed like the next day, you know, she was, you know, appearing before a congressional committee and um, it was dominating the news. And so just to kind of tee it up, um, you know, the concern is, is that Facebook, when they publish their news feed that we all watch and we all look at, we're not seeing every post of every one of the friends that we like or follow. We're actually only seeing a subset of that. Um, we're seeing content that we are supposedly, we wanna see, content that we have either clicked on or liked or commented on. If there are certain people that we've post, we've looked at their posts and we like to read those posts or we've commented or, or liked them, we start seeing more of those people and less of other people that we might like or follow. Um, and as a result, I think that's part of what the whistleblower was saying is that we're getting content that can be very divisive content, content that gets us all fired up, content that pushes our buttons, that we react to, and content that can be very divisive, which has led to a lot of this controversy with social media and disinformation and who's policing it and then the addictive nature of it. And that's what this whole thing turned into. You know, and I you know they even even brought up it's like, "Oh my God, is this harmful to children?" And I'm thinking, do children still use Facebook? I don't think they do. Um, maybe they're using Instagram or what's the other one they own WhatsApp, I think, which is the same technology from Facebook. I think it's all part of the Facebook universe, uh perhaps using the similar algorithms, but you know we we've seen this 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 was a big deal, probably about a year ago when they had that movie that was on Netflix called The Social Dilemma. I don't know if you ever saw that. And it was like a lot of these Facebook employees or former employees and basically saying the same thing, that Facebook wants to uh, deliver content that people want, which then tends to be content that can be politically divisive, inflammatory, uh, uh, content that can sometimes be filled with misinformation, content that's addictive. And then, oh my God, Facebook is making money doing this as though making money is somehow evil. You know, my take on this is very, very different um, from all of this. Now, first of all, all media targets an audience. I mean, look at I mean, a great, great example is Fox News, right? Fox News prepares news stories that they, and, and commentary on their television network that is not targeted to a tree hugger, progressive um, person. Um, their content is really directed towards people that are conservative or religious or you know any of the other... You know, Republican, for example, um, are typically the audience that they're catering to. And they continue to provide that kind of content because it keeps more people watching the television network, which translates to more eyeballs watching, which translates to more advertising revenue. And CNN does it, MSNBC does it, heck, I mean, ESPN does it. And so does Fox Sports. You know, that's why we see. Erectile dysfunction ads on those stations and, and beer commercials. And, you know, we see advertisement and content that is catered to a specific audience. What Facebook is doing is not all that much different. And Facebook, frankly, from the perspective of an advertiser, they're, it's perfect. They're delivering advertising content to a target audience, which is great. You know, so that's good for the advertiser. And frankly, it's good for the viewer of that particular television network or social media platform, because, you know, if you're if you're a person that likes getting sports content, you're probably going to have ads that are going to appeal to you and your demographic. You probably don't want to see um ads that aren't a fit for that. So, you know, this sort of thing's been going on for a long time and it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just target marketing. Um, But what the thing that bugs me about the whole Facebook thing is that they're trying to make it as though they want to sort of centrally control the kind of media that we are able to see, the kind of media we're able to content, to consume, this just opens up a Pandora's box of problems. I mean, so what they, first of all, the federal government can't they shouldn't be involved in this in the first place. They can't possibly police it. And if they try to, it's unconstitutional. It'd be a violation of the First Amendment. It would be abridging speech much you know, to say nothing of overly regulating these businesses. Side note is that Zuckerberg wants to be regulated, which I think is funnier than hell. Most likely he wants to be reg- like, uh, regulated, not so he's regulated, for, so Facebook's regulated. He wants to be regulated so all of his competitors are regulated, so he can hold on to being the top dog in social media. And then if something you know goes sideways, he can point to the regulators as the problem. I mean, that's my take on it. I'm sure some of the upstart social media platforms don't want to be regulated at all, you know, because they're competing and trying to, you know, out innovate what Facebook is doing. But I see this, and I see, you know, it's it's kind of almost Orwellian to a perspective. It, it's it's about control. It's about trying to manage the the narrative, manage the talking points of the day, and obviously, if if politicians are able to do that, then that just enhances their power and control, which is what they're all about. Um, And if they can't control it directly through a regulatory uh, path, that what they want to do is do it by proxy. They want to force Facebook to do it themselves. But it's so, I mean, imagine if you worked at Facebook, how would you do that? How would you police it? Now, Grant, I know Facebook has had certain automated Subroutines that have gone through looking at content and maybe based on keywords or you know based on any number of criteria, they're able to flag content that they think is, for whatever reason, inappropriate, and they can remove it. And I know they've peeled back from that um, since the um, they peel back from that since the election, but they can't possibly catch everything. I mean, how many people use Facebook? How many posts a day? Use that platform. It, it's just insane. It's not really policeable, in my opinion, unless you have just this army of people going through every post. Maybe Zuckerberg should hire the NSA in the secret location in Utah. To, well, actually, they're probably looking at all the Facebook posts already. Um, Yuri Bolin on the live stream says the server wasn't down, they were hacked. The stock fell and Zuckerberg lost a lot of money. Some say a billion dollars time to buy now. Yeah, that was funny, wasn't it? That right after that 60 minutes expose, Facebook was out for like a day. And a lot of people, that was like a huge deal. Oh, my God. Um, But... uh, Yeah, I'm certain Zuckerberg lost money when that happened. I mean, think about the advertising revenue that flows through there. Did he lose a billion dollars? Yeah, that doesn't surprise me because he probably lost the advertising revenue for that day. And then a lot of advertisers probably jumped ship because of it. So I don't know. Some people, I mean, imagine what, what should Facebook do? What should the algorithm be that we see when we view the content? Should we only see the things that we like or click on or follow or comment on? Or should we see every post by every person we follow in chronological order? Would that be better? And then if it is better, who, who, whose decision should it be? Who decides what's better? I mean, to me, this is something that Facebook needs to manage. And if people don't like it, they don't use it. Now, I know for me, I use Facebook a lot less. Now, granted, I know I'm live streaming on Facebook and on YouTube, but, you know, it's funny. It's like sometimes I go on Facebook and there's just, there's, there's definitely good stuff in Facebook, like some of the local conversation in my community. I like that in Facebook, you know, the Chris Cruz's page, South and North Poway vote. That's great. Poway neighbors. That's great. Poway Underground. That's great. Poway community and neighbors, of which I was made an admin somehow. That's great too. That's all good. And there's new stuff starting up. Poway, excuse me. Poway Libre just started up. Something that's not going to be filtering out content. All good. Seeing pictures of my friends' vacations, connecting with old high school friends, that's great too. But God, the number of posts I see on Facebook that are fishing for you to disclose what are likely your passwords is un-friggin' believable. And it fills my Facebook feed. And I know I might have clicked on one of those once, but gee whiz, do I get a ton of them, you know? What's the one food you wouldn't eat as a child? Um, you know just stuff like that you know which you know that that's how people hack that's how people figure out your passwords or your or your secret questions and after a while I was like why am i getting this stuff and the reason i get it is cuz friends of mine have responded and their response number 25000 number 124 uh of of the the giant list of comments and so my friend Responds, then it appears on my feed. So I don't know what do I, what should I do? Start unfriending those people? But they're good people. But it frustrates the hell out of me. So I don't, I don't watch much of it. I'm, I, I excuse me, I'm scaling back my use of Facebook. But just this whole thing about government trying to get in and police the content and saying this is good, this is bad. You know, this is a fact, this is false. I mean, there have been misinformation going on since the beginning of time. So you can't. This isn't something that some central authority should fix. This is something that you and I as individuals should filter on our own and just say, you know, I'm done with that site. It's just a bunch of junk. Or I might say, you know what? Uh, whenever I see those, I just zing past them. It's just it's just nonsense. And you can spot that, especially in political topics. They might be excessively left-wing or excessively right-wing. Those... um those topics are really easy to spot. We just need to filter them ourselves. So anyways, I see all this. I just, all this I can see in my head when they have the whistleblower, they're creating all this frenzy. It just seems like it's an excuse to empower government to have more control over people's lives and to see a further erosion of the First Amendment. That's what I see. What do you see? I'm interested in your thoughts. Okay, so... A couple more topics I want to get to. And I just see a comment here from our good friend Tony Russo chiming in on the live stream. He says, Don't forget, Tony for counsel coming soon. And this is what I want to get to. Um, you know, I started this podcast in September of 2018, and I had the great pleasure, the great honor of interviewing a lot of our local political candidates in the city of Poway, uh, people like Tony Russo and Yuri Bolin, who are both on the live stream candidates that ran for mayor, for city council, and also uh, candidates that ran for Poway School Board. And boy, was that great. I mean, I met a lot of great people and had some really interesting conversations. And I think the viewers and listeners of this podcast really enjoyed it because they got to see these politicians and learn more about them. And and they're not just seeing a campaign sign, or they're not just seeing uh, a two-second clip in the in the Poway News Chieftain or in uh, Hiram Soto's new, the Powaygian, the, they're not just seeing just a two-line quote. They're not just getting a 30-second or 45-second response at a candidate forum. I mean, we sat down for one hour, two hours. Some one case, I was a couple of candidates, three-hour conversations. Now, boy, I loved it. Now, I know a lot of people can't hang that long in a podcast. That's really long. But if you want to learn about these people running for office, boy, you'll figure it out real quick um, about these folks and you know what their values are and what's driving them, what their motivations are, and and really what they want to do beyond the talking points. Really what they are as a person, what their character and their ethics and their morality is. You learn a lot and it's wonderful. A lot of good people in our city. And so- Tony uh no thanks Tony says Tony says awesome podcast and so thank you Tony and Tony I think you were episode four for me. I remember I did my first two episodes were solo podcasts. Pete Neald was the first guest. He broke the ice in episode three. And Tony, I think you were my episode four. And I know, Tony, you have a lot of people in Poway that know you uh, from your days living here, going to school here, and you're big on social media. I see you all the time with your videos of you and your children around town. Good for you, Tony. And I know you own Restaurant O'Harley's. You have a big brand in this city. And our podcast episode, if I recall, did quite well. Uh, relative to some of my other episodes. Uh, Tony Russo said, loved it. And it was real and raw. Keep it up, John. So that's the beauty of these podcasts is that they are real and they are raw. Like right now I do these solo podcasts. I'm sharing my thoughts and comments. I invite your thoughts and comments on the live stream. When I do interviews, you know, if you probably tell my approach is a little different. Um, I'm not trying to pick a fight with my guest, I'm just letting them kind of speak and kind of share their thoughts and comments. I'll ask probing questions to kind of have them open up on certain issues. Uh, But I don't really interject my own thoughts and opinions too much when I'm interviewing other other guests. And I look forward to that. So I guess to Tony's point, yeah, election season's coming soon. I mean, it's going to be, what, November of... 2022. So in 13 months, we're going to have an election. And that means our local candidates are probably starting to get organized. They're thinking about it. They haven't filed their papers yet, but they're starting to get planned get planning. And I know I've talked to a couple of others confidentially that are planning on running. And already we have one candidate as officially announced, and his name is Brian Pepin. And Brian is an interesting character. Um, He is uh, the president of the Lincoln Club, which is a downtown lobbying group for the business community in downtown San Diego, tends to be very Republican. Um, he is also, um, uh, I think, the chairman of the board, or at least on the board of directors of the Poway Chamber of Commerce, uh, been on the Poway Budget Review Committee twice, which I know was controversial. Uh, but he's, you know, he's he's a uh, what's the right word? He, he's, uh, a a political animal to a degree, you know, kind of like TJ Zane is on the Poway school board, but he was previously the president of the Lincoln club, just like Brian Pepin. Um, you know, Brian has political aspirations. He's already announced his candidacy for uh, district one, uh, here in Poway. So good for you, Brian. And I look forward to hopefully having an opportunity to have a sit down interview with you and, uh, Tony, and if you're running again, right on. We'll have you in here as well. We'll do it again, Tony, you and me. Uh, so let me know. But uh, I'm looking forward to that. And and who knows, we might even have an election sooner than November of 2022, because I know Chris Olps and um, other activists in Poway are trying to recall Mayor Steve Voss. And I know they're trying to get their paperwork filed, and then they got to go out and get signatures. And And then if they can meet those requirements, there could be another election. And- When is the primary in California? Used to be in June, but didn't they move the primary up, at least on the presidential cycles, into February or March? But what would it be in a off-presidential year? I don't know. Hopefully, if they're going to do it, they're going to need to get organized before it. But anyways, we might have an election in Poway for local offices before 2022. And we're certainly going to see primaries um, for, you know, Congress, you know, Scott Peters, for example, he's going to be rerunning again. Um, hopefully Fernando Garcia is going to be running for Congress again. Fernando joined me last, uh, election cycle, an independent candidate running for the House of Representatives. What a great conversation he and I had. We are very like minds, Fernando Garcia and I, both, um, both registered independents. Um, At any rate, we're getting we're going to have a lot more political conversation. I look forward to that. Tony Russo says we will, John. So good. Great. Love to have you back, Tony. And Yuri Bolin said June 7th. So I guess that's the primary in California. And if there is a recall election for Mayor Steve Voss, it would be on June 7th. Now, Voss will be running for reelection again, assuming he chooses to rerun. I think he will. Uh, That election would be in November of 2022 anyways. But, you know, it's just like the impeachment of Trump, um, the recall of Gavin Newsom. Sometimes people are angry and it doesn't matter when the next election is. They just want to get the uh, guy out. Um, So I'm I'm curious to see what what happens with that, uh, with our locals here and what's going to happen with Mayor Steve Voss. You know, just, it's funny. Like Mayor Steve Voss, I, I know him. Um, I wouldn't consider myself a friend of his, but I know him. And, uh, um. There are a lot of people that really like him. And there are a lot of people that really don't like him. Kind of like I said about Chris Cruz, if if you have people that don't like you, that means you're making a difference in some way. Uh, Because if you don't have people that, I mean, there's people that don't like me and my podcast. And I frankly take that as a badge of honor. That means I'm making a difference. Um, But what was interesting is in one of these Poway forums and on Facebook, people are complaining about the mayor of Poway, Steve Voss, because he wears his cowboy hat indoors. That's how petty it's gotten. Now, you can make any sorts of levels of criticism at our mayor, some legitimate, some not. But and I'm sure that's going to be the basis of a recall if one actually happens. But really complaining about people wearing a cowboy hat indoors? Come on. (laughs) I mean, Come on, you know, that's an old fashioned rule, an arbitrary rule. Kevin Kennedy says the Coronado guy is going to run against Peters for the 52nd. We haven't had a viable candidate to run against Peters the last two elections. Yeah, you're right. What's his name? He's the mayor of Coronado. And I know he's a Republican. He likes to position himself as a fiscal conservative, a fiscally disciplined guy. I can't remember his name, but I remember when he announced, um, I, I commented on that on the podcast. And you're right. Scott Peters hasn't had a credible candidate the last two cycles. There, there have been some you know well-meaning people, locals, but really didn't have any political gravitas. I think the last serious ca- uh, contender um, Peters had was in 2014 when he ran against Carl DeMaio. But you know what? The 52nd District has become more democratic than it was 10 years ago. Uh, Now, Peters, of course, is not a hardcore lefty. I mean, he voted against the bill that would have allowed prescription drug prices and Medicare to be renegotiated. Uh, Peters is more of a middle of the road, moderate Democrat. I like his persona on Facebook because while I don't necessarily agree with all of his policies, but he's a San Diego guy, he comments on the Padres, you know, he tries to connect with the people in a real way. And I like that in him. Um, but you're right. He hasn't had a serious contender. If the mayor Coronado runs against him, that'll be a serious contender. But the demographics of this district have changed. And unless there's some scandal involving Scott Peters, I don't see him losing, um, especially with the GOP brand becoming seemingly weaker and weaker. Uh, Kevin Kennedy says Peters is not moderate regarding climate change. Yeah, there's, you're right. There are some topics that he will go more hardcore lefty on certain things. And I think, yeah, you're right. I think climate change is one of those, but Peters is very calculating. He understands the demographics of his district and he doesn't have views that are too far out of whack from what what his voters really want. And, you know, that's how politicians play the game. You know, their own, their personal position on the issues may be very different than their public position on the issues. Now, Grant, I don't know legitimately how much of a climate change, uh, uh, climate change, not proponent or advocate, but, you know, a climate warrior. I don't know where he lands on that to what extreme, but it doesn't, it makes sense to me that he would fully embrace climate change um, legislation, especially since this district is more democratic. And I think even a lot of independents, because this is California, after all, a lot of independents are, are supportive of a lot of that legislation. I mean, heck, I'm, I'm probably the biggest supporter of electric vehicles you're going to find on the planet. Um, solar energy too. And what's what we have here. We have two electric vehicles that are powered by solar, which I'm really proud of, um, feel like we've sort of, you know, beaten the system, you know, Uh, kind of cracked the code. And uh, at any rate, we'll see. Um, Yuri Bolin says, it's a waste of time, money, and logistics. Oh, wait, first, let me go back to Kevin Kennedy. Uh, He said um, he is not a moderate regarding illegal immigration. You know what? I'm sorry, Yuri, I'm going to get to your point in a second. But Kevin, um, this whole topic of illegal immigration just strikes me as crazy. Um, they should just make the process for legal immigration to be faster, cheaper, easier. I mean, after all, that's how our ancestors came to America. They may have come through. My came through Ellis Island. I don't know about anyone else's. My family came here between the 1880s and 1900, came through Ellis Island. They came through legally, but the process was simple. I mean, you didn't have to have like, you know, you didn't have to, quote unquote, wait in line for two years, three years. You could be a stowaway on a on a ship and they'd still let you in. They just check you and make sure you're not spreading a disease. I think maybe you had to say that you had some local sponsor, but in many cases, you didn't even need that. And they let people in. America's better off with immigration. America has has flourished with immigrants coming to this country. And- you know, again, I don't know what Peter's position is on immigration. I'm of the opinion we would have way less illegal immigration if legal immigration was faster, easier, cheaper. So rather than building walls, they should be handing out forms to people to make them come into so they can come into America legally. So again, I don't know what Scott Peters. I don't know what his his thought is. Um, Kevin Kennedy says the system is broke. Dreamers is an example of a failed system. Exactly. The whole immigration system is a cluster. Yuri Boland, I want to go back to this. I think this goes back to the recall topic. Yuri Boland says, it's a waste of time, money, and logistics. Have we not heard anything from Newsom? He did better in the recall than the election with Cox. Even if a new mayor were elected, it would be an interim mayor, mayor pro tem. Nothing would be accomplished. And the new mayor would simply be running for re-election in November, 2022. We have general elections every four years for a reason. Let the real process take place. Okay. This is good. It is interesting. Yuri, of course, Yuri Boland ran for mayor in 2018. And I think, I think Yuri will be running for mayor in 2022. I think we'll find out for sure, officially. Now, again, I'm of of the opinion that It's going to, I think the likelihood of Steve Voss being recalled as the mayor of Poway is very, very slim. First of all, it's going to be hard to get enough signatures on, um, to qualify for a recall. I mean, that in and of itself is going to be difficult. But then let's just say they're able to pull it off. You know, Chris Olps and the, the team he's assembling to do the recall of of Mayor Voss. You know, there there are a lot of people that are upset with some of the things going on in Poway. Probably, we're probably at peak levels of upsetness, um, at least in my lifetime. But I still don't think it's enough because he has so much institutional establishment support in this city. I mean, he came within... You know, like a couple hundred votes of being elected county supervisor. That was a, that was like an insane close election, by the way. So, I again, I, I don't see it happening. But but to, Yuri, to your point, even if Mayor Voss was recalled in June of 2022, well, the new person would would be in office for like five months. What's the point of that, right? Well, again, I again, I, I believe that I love the, and granted, as hard as it is to recall the mayor of, of Poway or recall any politician, you know, recall Gavin Newsom, for example, which, by the way, I was supportive of recalling Gavin Newsom. I love recalls. I love impeachments. I love all of that because it provides a threat to a politician that they could be removed at any time, that it, it doesn't always have to be on the regular two or four year election cycle, you know, if people are angry enough, the mob can rise up and take you down. That's what happened to Gray Davis. In Poway, that's what happened to Betty Rexford. You now we can debate whether or not they should have been recalled, but the fact that they can be recalled, in my opinion, that's a celebration of democracy. Interestingly, a lot of people that don't like the recall process claim to be Democrats. Kind of a funny thing. So, again, I don't think he's going to be recalled. That's my thoughts. Um, Yuri Bolin says 282 votes. That's how much Voss lost. I mean, there was how many people voted in that election Yuri? I mean, it was a couple hundred thousand, wasn't it? And he lost by like what? Zero point zero zero point zero one percent. Something like that. Unbelievably close election. Mayor Voss, County of Supervisors, lost to Joel Anderson. Hmm. Joel Anderson's outnumbered on the city council four to one. Uh, Yuri Boland says it would be even less. They're not going to make the June 7th deadline. It would be about three months. Can you imagine if they got the election, the signatures for the ele- a recall election, they couldn't get it done in June 7th, and they had to have a special election in August? <laughs> <laughs> that would tweak a lot of people. Oh, my God, this election is costing us so money. Oh, my God, there's a regular election a few months later. I think if they get on the June 7th ballot, then it's they're already having an election. That's the, the ballot that Scott Peters will be on for the primary against, you know, the quote unquote Coronado guy who we can't remember his name, the mayor of Coronado. Kevin Kennedy on the live stream says, I saw an article that other states leave recall processes up to judges. Yeah, you know, we can debate what the right process is for a recall. You know, the signature requirement to get the governor recalled in California does seem a little bit low. I think it's like twelve and a half percent. That's still a ton of people. Oh my god! But the you know the the recall for Newsom, you know, it, it would have taken a fifty percent plus one vote to get him out, which makes sense. But then the process to elect the replacement would have been, um, you know, the person could have gotten 20% of the vote and won it. (laughs) That part of the system is broken. What they should have is ranked choice voting to decide who the replacement will be. So they don't have to have a runoff and they go through the algorithm of ranked choice voting and eventually someone gets to 50% plus one. Now here we're talking about algorithms again. So, yeah, who, who knows? OK, I guess the last thing I could comment about, but I'm not going to go there because I'm already at an hour and 15 minutes, was to talk about the Poway water um, protest that's going on right now. But I'll save that for another podcast. So, um, you know, you, if, if you're a regular listener, a regular watcher of these podcasts, you're probably thinking, hey, Riley, where the hell have you been? And you're right. I, I've taken some time off. Um, I didn't do as many podcasts in August. And then I think only did two in September or one in September, just the one with Ed Franklin. And then I just did one last a couple of days ago with Pete Neald and Mike Smith. Um, you know, it's funny, you know, but I was doing these podcasts three times a week and I really love that. But after a while, that's a lot of time. <laughs> and so then I said, I'm going to scale it back to once a week. And I did. But then, you know, it's weird. It's like, you know you, you know, you got other things going on in life and suddenly you skip a week and then you skip two weeks. And then you say to yourself, "Oh, I don't really have anything to say. Or you might not have confidence in yourself to say something. And then two weeks becomes a month. <laughs> and then the next thing you know, you have a pretty good break on your hands. And that's kind of what happened with me. I was busy with my business, with my family. And then at the same time, I just didn't feel like I had something to share. But lately I've kind of rediscovered my um, my voice. And so I'm looking forward to doing a lot more podcasts with you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> Yuri Bolin says, don't wrap it up now, go at least two hours. <laughs> um. God, what would, you know, who was it that I did? It was uh, John John Carson, I think. We went three hours and 15 minutes. I think Chris Olps and I went over three hours. That was a lot. I mean, that's where you need bathroom breaks and stretching breaks. Now, Yuri, I'm not going two hours, um, especially since this is my first solo podcast in almost two months. Um, but I do want to come back more frequently. I'm, well, here's my, my plan right now is... I'm going to commit to Wednesdays at 2. I think I can stay on that consistently. Um, when I do additional podcasts, I'm going to try to do them Mondays and Fridays at 2, just like I am now. I did today at 2. And it's roughly consistent with what I used to do Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 2 p.m. But I'm not going to limit myself to that. There, there may be cases where it might be a late night and I want to share my thoughts, and I will. But I may not live stream those because, you know, who wants to watch a live stream at 1030 at night? So I might just record those and then post them later. Um, So I'm trying to find my rhythm of this. I'm also going back and forth on the type of content to offer. I mean, today's content, mostly commentary and thoughts on local news stories, local politics, current events in the San Diego area. And granted, I talk more about Poway than other cities because I live in Poway and I experience Poway and I know a lot of people here and there's a lot to talk about. But I do want to talk about more things than just Poway. Um, I want to make this broader for San Diego County and talk about other cities, other things going on here locally. But I also like to you know i i i like to talk about current events and politics i like to talk about electric vehicles i mean i could talk about evs for hours <laughs> i love electric vehicles um i can talk about sports although i'm trying not to do too much sports on this podcast because there's a million sports podcasts that are out there um i like to talk about entrepreneurship um and business and business strategy in, in this podcast you know partly because I own my own business and I go through a lot of my own challenges as an entrepreneur, my own business. I own a marketing agency. Uh, I do consulting work for clients. I do project work for clients. I sell products and services. I understand what it's like to be an entrepreneur and I know the good, bad and ugly of it. And so I like to talk about that. I'll continue to do that. I want to, I frankly, I want to do more of that, but I try, I'm trying to find that blend, that balance to use current events Local news, specifically San Diego County news, as a way to attract an audience, and then you know I'm going to blend in a lot of these other conversations. Talk about self improvement, improving yourself personally and in your business life. Um, you know, granted, I talk about the whistleblower from Facebook this this podcast, and I have talked quite a bit on some national issues. I I want to do more kind of local, right? More San Diego County because. Again, there's a million people that are talking about national issues, but there are very few that are talking about local issues. And, you know, thankfully, Ed Franklin, a local podcaster, is, is starting to do podcasting here in Poway, and good for you, Ed. And, you know, um, you know, we've got the, the, the Powegian and Hiram Soto coming up with a new publication here in Poway. That's great news, too. Well, I don't know, publication is not the right word, but he's coming up with his own platform. To be sort of a digital competitor with the Poway Chieftain. That's great. That's fantastic. We need more of that. So that, that's the kind of the space I like to play in, and I want to provide more content. I want to have more guests, a lot a lot more guests, because the guests make it more interesting. You know, at a certain point, you know, I know audience and some people enjoy hearing what I have to say, but... We need to mix it up and need perspectives from other people. So I'm always welcome to new guests. And I leave that open invitation out there for all of you, especially if you're a political candidate, whether you're an announced political candidate or plan to announce in the future and just want to have greater exposure, I'd be happy to entertain you um, and have you come in and we, and we can do the podcast live again, right? We're, I mean, the COVID deal, I mean, it's still an issue, but it's a lot less of an issue more people are vaccinated. I'm vaccinated. Doing the podcast, reasonable distance, well circulated. It's all safe. But you know, if we need to do it remotely in in Zoom, or in my case, I use a software platform called StreamYard. We'll do it that way. So we'll have more podcasts as well with guests. So at any rate, uh, let's wrap this bad boy up. It's Friday. It's like about 3.30. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for joining. This is episode number 255 of the John Riley Project. And um, looking forward to having a great fourth quarter of the calendar year. Um, And we'll catch you later, friends. Uh, It's life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Live your life. Go for it. You only live once. See you later, friends. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed today's show, do me a favor. Subscribe and then share it with a friend or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let's continue the conversation on social media. Go to connectwithjohnny.com to get links to our social media content, audio podcast platforms, and to sign up for our mailing list. To be a guest, read my blog, or get more information, please visit johnreillyproject.com to get started.